Many years have passed since a fellowship of light battled the shadow creature at the Grey Haven. Now the heroes find themselves in an unknown land where they discover a man in black is wreaking havoc. Undeath follows him wherever he goes, and long-forgotten legends rise again, having been possessed by his evil. Join the players of this Dungeons & Dragons campaign as they attempt to stop the man in black as he collects artifacts both on and off the Lonely Isle. Welcome to Tolerasia in part two of the Inglorian Bastards trilogy, Rise of the Mormon. Alright, welcome listeners. This will be episode 58, and, and I'm, I'm very happy to start our player interviews um, with a, a good friend of mine. Um, he, he joined us for, for, for part two of the trilogy, uh, Rise of the Mormagill, but he's actually been around for, for a good while. So, MJ, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Jared. Glad to be here. And MJ played uh, uh, a character who, if I were writing this into a novel, I would actually sort of combine all the elves, uh, all the elven characters like Angolin um, and Izelindor, which is MJ's character, a- into one character, and um, and Izelindor would be him. Uh, this was this was the the elf that lived in Arigian, um was the was the uh, fictitious brother of Celebrimbor, and as the party passed through Arigian uh, um, and battled the Watcher at, at Tharbad, um, he sort of followed them to the Grey Havens and ended up asking Kierden to hitch a ride on on their boat, um, and in, in in doing so, sort of became friends with with the characters. Um, uh, but but do you want do you want to tell um, do you want to tell everybody maybe like the the first thing you remember because uh, I I didn't credit you in in the first part of the trilogy uh, Tol Arisea you know I tried to keep it yeah. pretty simple for for the listeners who are just getting to know the characters on the website I have you know a list of the characters names and sort of who played them um, what I yeah. what I didn't incorporate into that was all the times that. I had other friends such as yourselves fill in when somebody couldn't be there. Yeah, well, that was um, that was me. So this was my first experience with um, D and D, and it was actually a really really good um, entry point because it was uh, the lore I really cared about, and it was a really gentle way to to get into it because I mean there's a lot going on, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was uh, I, I came in um, initially to fill. In for I think you filled in for kids. for Riken, uh, right? Was that right? The yes, uh, yes, the yes, woodman, yes, yeah. yes. Then I ended up taking on you know when everyone got their character back in the following week, then we coming. Um, you you wrote in some parts for me that I would be able to take on um, roles as NPC characters. It well, was, um, I, I remember yeah. thinking uh, I remember thinking that. <laughs> That I wasn't very nice to you uh, because because the first couple of outside of playing like Reich and when when uh, Josh couldn't be here, you, yeah. you played like a nerfed uh, Rohirrim writer right who didn't do yeah, much. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, but then but then you ended up but you ended up playing. Um, I, I believe you ended up playing the Umbarian uh, chief captain Adamir. Um, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yes, I and did. I think I think he was shot with a <laughs> ballista right. bolt like and knocked off the ship for like 
pretty early yeah. into everything, and and then it was, and then yeah. Vic took over when the when the Balrog came out, when the the Maiar came out and turned into the Balrog. That's right. So I felt I felt pretty bad about that. Like, hey, hey, you want you you can sit in on this campaign; it'll be totally great. <laughs> um, and then it was like he didn't get to play much. Um, you you do end up in in the second arc playing this this yep. character named Izelindor, which means yep. servant of the Green Mound. I love his name maybe more than any other name. Um, I remember coming across the story of the uh, the king, uh, second king slaying. King slaying, yeah. I I absolutely love that story. I think the development of this character was largely like, uh, like a collaboration between your ideas and my ideas, and like you you I mean you know the war. Um, and I, I just love the idea of that that story. And I thought, oh, it'd be kind of cool to to have a person that was involved with that, you know. And I think you even you even looked it up, and you're like, well, I, you know, um, Kerfin, who was the uh, Nodorian prince, um, father of um, Celebrimbor. Celebrimbor. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case that guy I, I can't say it no, no, i'm nervous now it's on my mind oh no it's um, fine it's just funny because because we literally i literally just edited this this video where where, where josh and i were like it's calibrimbor <laughs> he he's the one who makes the uh the forges the elvish rings of power right so this guy i thought it'd be great to have this like story that like ties into that and um so we wind up making him to be the brother of um that guy <laughs> and our sorrow and goes and, and winds up, you know, attacking uh, Erigian. And, you know, ever since then, you know, he wants he wants justice done. And um, so he, he's going to be fighting, um, you know, Sauron throughout throughout time. And when he enters the story, enjoys the campaign, it's the most like, um, you know, it's up until that point in time, the, the, the next battle he's going to fight, you know, the next... The next uh, well, I think, I think he probably saw the writing on the wall, right? Like, at that point in the campaign, when, when, the, when the characters were passing through Tharbad, the the shadow mire that they released from the void had just sort of gone through the area and and Zelendor would have been aware of that and and at this point you know he was probably like biding his time for revenge and and when this is all st- sort of started happening I'm sure he's like, okay, all right, this is, it started now. You know, this is, this is definitely tied. Here's the, here's the shadow Meyer who, um, or, mm-hmm. or knew of, and he's back from the void. Uh, surely this is leading to something that can't be good. Um, and, and th- I think that's kind of why your, your guys sort of joined with this group. So let, let's go back a second. I, I'm curious. We kind of skipped over. Um, y- you mentioned, um, when I mentioned this campaign, you said this was a, I think to quote you, uh, this was a world that you cared about about now um t- tell me and tell the listeners uh about your experience with tolkien and with lord of the Rings. so i, I get this i get this really cool story so um i i was in high school when the lord of the rings came out and um it was, that was my first experience with lord of the rings i think i may have heard of it before as like you know um an epic fantasy tale and everything else but like i never I think the thing's a tome, you know, the book. So yeah. <laughs> it was one of those deals that, like, I wasn't against reading. It just was, you know, I, if I was going to take that on, I was going to commit to that, you know. So, um, so then I see the movies, right? The movies come out. I am, I'm sucked in. I am like, um, this is great. So. I wound up in high school, and so I wound up reading The Hobbit, and so I, I never really get a chance to, to read Lord of the Rings. Anyways, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in college studying history and European history, and particularly 19th century European history, and you know, early, early 20th century, right? So, like, up until, like, World War II, right? Yeah. So, I'm in this class, and the class is called, and it's like my like junior year, right? It's called something like, um, you know, The Great War, and, um, or, or Art and Culture, and, you know, The Great War, and... It's basically like a, like the literary and artistic response to the catastrophe of World War One, right? So we looked at um, we looked at artwork, we looked at books, we looked at um, you know memorials and, and more sites, and 
in that class, there was a list of books. Now, I read, like, uh, you know, um, A Farewell to Arms and A Storm of Steel and, you know, so there's these, um, like, traditional World War One stories. And in that class, I remember the professor saying, or had a list of books that was, you know, from this time period, and, uh, and there, was, there was Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, why is Lord of the Rings on that list, right? And uh, and so I, I did my own research and you know come to find out that uh, Tolkien was a was an officer in World War One, right? So so now I'm really into it. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, <laughs> I remember that moment in that class. And I'm like thinking back to like you know the movies, and I'm like, like wait a minute. So like um, I'm trying to like I'm trying to like bridge like his experience in the war with what I'm seeing in the movies. And like obviously it's like the war is like a catalyst for him and like his stories. Uh, and like I don't know how much he denied it later on or like accepted that you know that this like this was like the the framework of his stories. Like I don't know if the, I don't know if you know more about that than I do, but uh, you know I'm sitting there looking at this as more like uh, a a person's response to their experience during wartime, you know. Yeah. And of course, when they come out, this is like this is what they're going to be writing about. This is what they're going to be. This is the stories they're going to tell. Is like it's like heroism and brotherhood and and lightness and darkness and like. And even like I don't know, like even like the landscape of Middle Earth is. I mean, you look at something like um, you know approaching Mordor and like this like flat you know uh, like moonscape, right? No trees, no no shrubs, you know, just dirt. And I'm like, I'm like this is like a World War One battleground, you know? It's like so it was crazy for me, like in terms of just like I guess reaching that understanding of like where the time and place of the author rather than this fantasy story is its own separate thing, you know, like the context of which it was written. And so then I wound up <laughs> I wound up trying to read uh, Lord of the Rings the book later on, and uh, I don't want to say the like I'm probably like offending some listeners at some point, but like, you know. Like, the, the movies almost ruined the book for me. <laughs> I'm reading the book, and I'm like, this isn't the movies. <laughs> Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Well, right? so, 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 if, so if you are listening and, and you're offended by this, please send all hate mail to Peter Jackson. <laughs> exactly, right? You know, but it was like, it was awesome, because like, there's so much lore, there's so much like, you know, the writing of the songs, and like, uh, you know, you could see that this was like this man's like life work, you know, and and that was cool for me. So when you offer me this opportunity, I'm like, yeah, let's dive in, mean, man. I love the movies. Let's go. <laughs> I love the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about the books, but the movies were great. <laughs> right. And of course, you based all your lore off the books. So I'm like, I'm like, oh man. But no, it was it was great because I think the way that the campaign, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way that the campaign rolls out and the way I, I can participate inside of it, and the way you explain it, you know, and, and the way that you, um, you know, as um, as our guide, you know, it's you're you're making ties to the references to the movies and to the books and part of our story, and you're referencing back, and it's great for setting the context for somebody like myself who who you know knows like apparently just like the top level of the lore, but like wanted to know more. And you definitely this campaign made it more accessible. I think. Well, you, it was good. I think that you came in sort of the first part of the campaign and and sort of the the Middle Earth that we all know, right? Whether it's from right, the, right, whether, whether it's from the books or the movies, you know. The second, the second part of this campaign starts in sort of a more obscure area, um, in in the land of Erisaev, right, the Lonely Isle, and um, even you know, right, e- even right. even people that have read the Lord of the Rings many times and, and really haven't delved, people that haven't delved into uh, the Book of Lost Tales um, or the Silmarillion, you know, so the the concept of you know uh, Erisaev and the Tower of Avalone, like the Master Palantir, you know, like that's all foreign to, to people, you know? Um, I, I think this is for people that have advanced this far in the podcast are probably pretty diehard Tolkien fans. Um, and, and so, and so I think, I think even for the players, you know, they, they needed to be a little bit of handholding in those, you know, 
tons and tons of yes. lore cards. Do you remember those lore cards that I would give you guys? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean it, it was everything. It was it was all right, there was there was, there was a lot there. And uh, you're right, you your listeners are probably uh, are probably familiar with all of these um, a lot of these characters and places, but like right, but like going past the movie, I mean this is like where like the movies left off, you know, like where like the actual lore of, of Tolkien comes in, you know. Like this is all the backstory that makes Lord of the Rings make sense, you know? So I, I probably talked about this on the podcast before, but um, you know, the, 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 the man was a genius and he believed that, you know, he had, he had a few of these stories that he wanted to write, but he had a, he also had this mythology that, that was sort of, uh, underlying everything. And he believed that the mythology would make the stories better and that the stories would make the mythologies better and that the two would sort of feed off of each other. Um, and you know, what, um, I think what you learn by, what we learned from, from Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, and, um, and in reading uh, the Book of Lost Tales from Christopher Tolkien, um, is that, you know, these stories evolved over time. Like you were talking about his time in the trenches in World War I. Yeah. You know, the, his idea, his concepts of all of these things evolved and, and changed. And um, what we're playing through in Arisaia is is sort of an uh, an early an earlier version of of his um, of his uh, mythology of Britain, and um, and it was it was t- it was just terribly fun to to research and, and to sort of guide people through that land. Um, but we have a, we only have a few more minutes left. Um, uh, I want to I want to ask the same question that I ask everybody: Is there uh, without giving too much away, is there a particular part coming up or that you've experienced so far? So they, they've um, the listeners have are uh, essentially uh, you guys have just escaped from the Tower of Avalone and are heading through the land of elms, um, uh, about to get to the cottage of Lost Play. Um, is there anything, uh, either something that you've experienced or something coming up that they can look forward to? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's there's a lot I remember. There is a fantastic um, <laughs> disagreement coming up. <laughs> I'm thinking about the Pixies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the Pixies were one of my personal <laughs> personal favorites. It, it had nothing. It was I don't know, it was just me being. Um, I guess pushing the boundaries of what would be acceptable within the, the Tolkien lore. We did a, we did a lot of that pushing the boundaries. I did. I, I, I did. I had fun. I had fun. So like you know, it was fun. So um, so offline before we started this interview, uh, MJ was like, "Yeah, if I had known you were going to podcast this, I probably would have watched what I said a little more." <laughs> so, <laughs> so your secrets out, man. There's some really really cool surprises coming up where we get to um, we get to meet. Some pretty cool people, and including um, some that maybe are, um, as they say in Transformers, like, uh, more than meets the eye. Yeah, more than meets the eye. Yeah, well, yeah, that's actually good. Ooh, I like that reference. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if it's all right with you, um, typically what we do um, either bef- right before or right after the the last battle of of the of, of this part of the campaign, we'll. We'll have everybody back for like a reunion episode. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. so maybe uh, you could join us for that. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> All, right. All right. No problem. Thank you. Bye-bye. Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose. 